and welcome to James Bond and Friends. I'm your host, James Page, co-founder of MI6HQ.com, MI6 Confidential Magazine, and this podcast. And um, this week, we are going to be talking about the, the version of Spectre that nobody got to see, all the different variations on the scripts and um, the pre-production wranglings. Uh, and to discuss this, I'm joined with by Bill Koenig and David Lee. Would you like to introduce yourself, guys? Hello, everyone. I'm Bill Koenig. I'm the webmaster of the uh, Spy Command uh, blog. And I'm David Lee. I run the jamesbonddossier.com, and I'm author of The Complete Guide to the Drinks of James Bond, which is jamesbonddrinks.com. Fantastic. Especially as we head to the festive season, it's a recommended destination for your possible <laughs> ideas. It certainly is, yes. Yeah. So Bond 24, Spectre as we later came to know it, had a somewhat tumultuous pre-production history with different scripts and writers and uh, amenders coming uh, as a consultant at one point and then he came on as director so it's all a twisty turny path sony complaining about the budget mgm having creative disagreements um but i think what we could do is first talk about the kind of the crazy stuff that was in the run-up to the script that we kind of got to see in the film uh, and that also took a, a series of changes. So a lot of this information, um, full disclosure, most of it came in the public domain through the Sony email hack, which happened um, before the f- camera started rolling. Is that correct, Bill? That's right. It was uh, sometime in 2014, and they began filming in late 2014. Yeah. Um, so a lot of this is out there. Some of it's been discussed, but we went through things with a fine tooth comb. I picked some interesting things out, which I didn't pick up the first time we covered this five, six, seven years ago. Um, so, uh, Bill, do you want to kick us off with your thoughts? Um, the summer of 2014 was when everything was kind of thrown up in the air um, before it settled down on a somewhat steady script. That's right. Um, that's when a lot of this stuff began to tumble out. But when you go if you've had a chance to go through the stuff that was leaked, things were like very unsteady, even as early as mid 2013, because it was, I believe uh, July of 2013 that the studio Sony and Eon put out a press release. Oh, we have this great story. It's a worthy successor to Skyfall. But when you go back to see some of the stuff that leaked out, they had been struggling just to get a treatment ready. And they had finally hammered down a treatment just shortly before that press release went out. Yeah. Um, so if you, it's been a long time since I looked at that press release, and I suppose it kind of isn't a lie per se, but maybe just like not, <laughs> you know, it's it more like it doesn't reveal everything. I, I think they were having a lot of trouble really early on because it went way back to when. John Logan made a pitch and for a two-part movie and and they initially seemed to be going that way and then Daniel Craig vetoed it so then that meant a lot of things were going to have to be changed. So even before 2014, even before the hacks, there was a lot of a lot of weird stuff going on. It was it was it was a very troubled production in the particularly in the sense of script development, I would say. Yeah, I was trying to think back through the series history of a similar situation where there was so much up in the air. I think The Spy Love Me came to mind when they went through, was it 13 writers? 
an 11 That's treatment right. or something. something like that. But a lot of that was just like, hey, have a go at writing the script and we'll, you know, we'll have a look at it. Um, there wasn't a lot of back and forth um, and writers taking over from writers, right? Um, right. And, and Albert uh, R. Broccoli in his uh, um, autobiography claimed to like, he was just kind of mitching mixing and matching stuff right. from the various scripts he was kind of taking credit for like putting the 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 shooting credit shooting script together uh, from russia with love in terms of the really early days kind of was similar thing because you had a few writers not all credited uh joanna harwood i think had a took a first uh, whirl at it maybaum came in Len Dighton was was involved at one point. Len Dighton apparently was in Istanbul when they were shooting, um, and and it wasn't until they started filming that they finally kind of fixed the whole. They had decided to bring Spectre into it, but they were having issues with uh, bringing Spectre into the story, and then finally they kind of cracked the nut while they were filming, and things came together fairly quickly after that, but. But that's such a different era than than today's big budget movies that yeah. I'm not sure it's it's that germane to the conversation. Right. So I found that press release from 2013. It was in um, July 2013 when they announced Mendez was coming back to follow up Skyfall, and it ends with Sony saying it's a privilege to work on the Bond films. Eon, John Logan, Sam Mendes. They've come up with an extraordinary follow up to Skyfall. Right. <laughs> we, we can't wait to share this new chapter with audience as well. Well, that new chapter was scrapped by yeah. but, but what But why do you think they had so many problems getting, getting their act together with this? I, I, I do wonder if, I mean, MGM and Eon have always had their disagreements, as any studio partners would. But I just wonder if it was too many cooks in the kitchen, because then you've got Team Sony also. Yeah. Okay. No. Yeah. It could be. It could be because you know it's it's not like with with Skyfall when the whole thing was delayed because of MGM uh, going through their one of their their semi regular insolvencies. But uh, it, uh, it and after after Skyfall, you know, it's it, it's it's a bit like after. Uh, Casino Royale, they they kind of hit the hit the ground running too fast with that, and they thought that they had a direction for the series. But you know, right. when when Quantum of Solace uh, was poorly received, they they kind of jettisoned that that idea. It's like after Skyfall, you you would have thought that they they they'd now found uh, their their purpose and they, they'd want to double down on that. But uh, you know, instead we got a delay. Well, there two clues, and and it's more. This is circumstantial evidence, not nothing definitive. But at one point during the filming of Skyfall, Logan was quoted at some event saying Bond should fight Blofeld, and some people thought, "Oh, Blofeld's going to show up in Skyfall." Well, that wasn't the case, but I wonder if that was the key part of his two-part movie pitch that everybody yes. seemed to love. Yeah. Um, and, and then when Craig vetoed that, the idea of a two-part film, I, I, I think that 
kind of upset the apple cart. Because yeah. I, I, I think, I think a, a two-story arc or a three-story arc would have been fantastic because they, they would have had, you know, they, they may not have nailed down all the details, but they'd, they'd have a, they'd have a, um, a kind of story arc that would take them. Uh, over a few films, you know, and they would know where they were headed with that. So uh, that that would have been a great, uh, that would have been much a much better thing to do, I think, than you know restart yeah. every single time. Yeah. So <clears throat> fast forwarding to May twenty fourteen, so it, almost a year after they said, "Can't wait to show you this great thing we've got planned." Um, some of the emails that leaked gone out. I mean, the overarching theme is that MGM were very pissed off that they were four months behind production with no script and they had major plotting issues. A year later. Yes. yes, that's right. And also, it, it would, I forget exactly when, it, it, uh, it soon became evident the movie was going to be a lot more expensive than yeah. what people were talking about. Um, and there's this... this uh, Sort of the default uh, position of a lot of fans, oh, the studios, they're just full of bean counters. But the thing that impressed me about um, the various studio memos about the scripts was like, I got the impression people, particularly the people at Sony, because it was both Sony and MGM, but but both, but Sony in particular, I think they were like really sympathetic. They were really trying to solve this. I I, I don't think they were just being bean counters, but at the same time, yeah. when you're talking about three hundred million dollars, possibly, uh, you know, they had to get you know that's a lot of money, and you know, it's it's like you can't just say oh they just give give them whatever they want. I mean, that's what the fans seem to believe, but like it, it's irresponsible to do that. But but. Again, I don't think they were just trying to, you know, they weren't being jerks. I think they were like really trying to solve the storytelling problems. Yeah. So speaking of storytelling problems, so May 2014, the script that they're all talking about, I'm assuming it's the one by Logan or Logan's still working on it at this point. Yeah. So strap yourself in because Blofeld's a woman. Right, yes. And the memo from MGM said, quote, idiotic, unless Meryl Streep plays Blofeld. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then at some point, I don't know exactly in terms of the timeline, I don't know this, but at one time, Blofeld was going to be an African warlord. And it was yeah. like... <laughs> With Blofeld, a diamond mine. Yeah. Like Blofeld was just an alias. You know, the, the guy had a totally different name. Um, so they were like really, really coping with like okay what does a 20 21st century version of blowfield look like and they were kind of all over the map and it's like i would think you would have to lock into something a lot sooner than they did you know for for things to go more smoothly i mean uh, being a blowfield being an arms trader with a diamond mine i mean that this is a bit of a mashup isn't it past ideas there's nothing original there yeah apart from it being a woman but even that's not that original because remember no, John, Gardner John Gardner had that novel with uh, it was Blofeld's daughter. It was yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it sound it just sounds so uh, so much like it's done, been done before. It's uh, yeah, it, not not original. 
And and you know what? Uh, this thought just now occurred to me as we were recording. It just like maybe that's why in the movie Spectre we got you know the Christoph Waltz version ended up falling back on so many tropes because they had wandered far. They did wander far afield, and they had tried to like come up with a different version, and it was just going so badly. So they went to sort of like the default kind of a. Uh, like some Donald Pleasant, some yeah. <laughs> some Telly Savalas, whatever, but um, because like it, it's what they knew, and like you know the the deadlines were bearing down on them. Yeah. So the other elements I picked out there was a, the major Bond girl character was called Charlotte, and she was an American black ops agent. Yes. Who, yeah. That, that was who uh, Felix Leiter. But there, but there was also another woman character named Charlotte. Who may have been yeah. a CIA agent who was a traitor? I, yeah. I, I think that character had a few different versions. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, and that there, was could a, be. There, was an, there was another character, Kaya, K A J A. I don't know yeah. how you pronounce that. Bond has a love story with her in the film. That's dumped. Um, Felix was in early treatments. Wasn't yeah. Right. Right. And there was a script as I, I have a copy of script notes from the studio where on page, apparently one page 122. I mean, all I've got are the notes. I don't have the script. It's the end Felix, of the movie. Felix calls money penny, a foxy lady. What is, why didn't she have a boyfriend? We're suspicious about in the beginning of the script. So, um, so uh, Felix pops up in, in one version. And in that version, Money Penny gets injured in action, and there was a bit of to and froing about whether to keep that in or not. Yeah, it's... yeah. And um, and poor old Tanner. Tanner commits suicide while Bond watches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, God, I mean, the, 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 there's there's so much in in all this. It's uh, it's incredible. Uh, I mean, I, I I was I was skimming. Skimming through it uh, yesterday when I uh, when I had a moment, and uh, it's just like how how much stuff is in these emails. It's it's incredible, and yeah. the, the stuff that they that they they came up with and ditched. Yeah, but uh, although uh, I, I I don't know I don't know if this is what you were referring to. I don't I, I can't remember if it was on the on this recording or before we started recording, James. But you were talking about something that. Um, Gets gets carried over. And oh yeah, yeah. Is it the the eyeball cam? It's the eyeball cam. Yes, yes, yes. I, yeah. I that blew me away. Like, yeah. well, but then then I thought about. Well, of course, it was something that they. Yeah, because <laughs> the eyeball camera. When we were going through this stuff originally, pre No Time to Die, yeah, right? it didn't mean anything. Like, to you. It didn't mean anything. Just like the plot about Blofeld <laughs> dumping nuclear waste. It's like, yeah, whatever. You move on. Yeah. Um, and there's like ah. Oh, they recycled the eyeball camera. Why? What's funny is one of the, uh, the Sony or MGM execs says that's a great idea. Yeah, 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 I, I, yeah. But the, there's a few times I see in these emails somebody saying, "Oh, that's a great idea," and uh, it, it just isn't. And yeah. Because it's like like the smart bloods referred to it at uh, some point. I, I don't remember if it, I can't can't find yes. it in in this. Maybe it's in one of the later emails. And and you know they're just talking about it being such a good idea. And it's like no, smart blood was never a good idea. And but also they they said there's no dramatic use for it. Yeah. 
So right. it's like it's a good idea on paper, but there's no story necessity mm-hmm. for it, which holds up. Well, and and it's also interesting in the emails and so forth and the early scripts that okay, they still had the Scooby Gang business where yep. you know, like M and Money Penny and Tanner. Tanner once they decided he wasn't going to commit suicide, um, you know, end up participating in the climax of the story in various ways. So, like like you guys just mentioned, you know, at, at some point, Money Penny was a more active player with a you know with some kind of weapon and and all this and tanner's holding people at gunpoint at in one of the scripts it's, i'm sorry it's starting to blur to yeah. me between the, yeah, that's <laughs> between that's the, the later one the later one yeah yeah so so very clearly there was this um notion that they had to get the supporting cast be more part of it. And then some executive in one of the emails said, wait a minute, he can't really be rogue if he's got all the support from yeah. my six personnel. Yeah, they um, complained that Bond wasn't seen to be rogue enough. Yeah. In this in that treatment. Yeah, I, I didn't get that bit either. It's like, well, why does he need to be rogue in every single film? Come on. And uh and there there was something uh there's something else that i just noticed in this this um may email and uh it's my memory gone <laughs> damn it oh, and, and and also then there was the one script where q actually gets captured so like he's a much bigger all the way, all the way up until the the one before the shooting script yeah, yeah. i mean that that idea was right up to the wire yeah, I, th- yeah. I, think that, I think that's what I was going to actually say. Was yeah, the Q Q was a host, Q was a hostage here, and uh, he, he carried that's carried on through the through the uh, scripts, and uh, it's uh, and it, it, it's amazing. It's amazing that it, it lasted for so long, and then they ditched it. And I don't know whether yeah. it would be a good idea or not. Uh, it's like some of some of what I see in the earlier scripts, I, I like, but uh, uh, th- this one I, I, I'm neutral on. I don't know. Right. Well, uh, I can tell you a little bit about the mechanics because I have a printout. It's an email from Barbara Broccoli to the studio people, and attached was a, a PDF that was sort of a detailed um, outline of. And so, what was going on? This was toward the end of the the process. So, Jez Butterworth was revising and polishing up the first two acts while Neil Purvis and Robert Wade were rewriting the third act, rewriting the conclusion. So under the stipulation that they had to use all the sets they were already building. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because it's got a third act, as you said, needs needs overhaul. Why does Blofeld need to go to London and make a phone call? (laughs) 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 Yeah, they never really sorted out that third act, though, did they? No, they didn't, or they did as best as they could. But it, I mentioned, you know, David wasn't here for this, but when we did the uh, Spectre uh, debrief, again, this has happened before in the history of movies, and North by Northwest is the example I cited. And I only knew this because there's a new biography of the screenwriter Ernest Lehman out. And, like, Lehman was uh, – he 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 often had anxiety attacks, and he had a big one <laughs> because I don't have an ending yet. Hitch, Hitchcock, I got to do this, and you know, and they were you know, MGM was building sets. Cary Grant was about to go on salary, and like, but 
he managed to come up with one that just took it. Oh, and, and the movie was going to be well over two hours. So Lehman managed to come up with an ending that, you know, in about took about two minutes or so of screen time <laughs> rather than another half hour. Right. Um, and again, I just cite that as context, uh, not to go too far afield, but, uh, yeah, this, you know, I think I said a variation of this, you know, it's, it's not so much, it's not, amazing that it was messed up it was amazing it came out more or less as well as it did yeah it could have been a lot better but it's it's it was a real mess and and it's trying to do a, a full autopsy i i think you have to go back to daniel craig uh vetoing the idea of a two-part um uh, movie because i suspect a lot of the all these elements was probably to populate a two-part movie and it's like right. oh, now, now we got to like thin it out yeah yeah that's a um, good point and you look at craig's run casino was the only film probably because it's based on the book that they went mm -hmm. in with a strong shooting script pre-production yeah yeah quantum was ripped up and rewritten on the fly uh skyfall through the hiatus was completely rejiggered right which yeah. Mendes has come out and talked about recently, including like having <clears throat> Bond team up with, as, with Silver as a buddy through the middle act of the movie and the whole ending being different. Um, this one, right, which was just basically stick things in a blender. And when the, when the music stopped, that's the film we got, I think. Um, and then No Time to Die, which was, again, like two completely different films. Yeah. But it, it's with, with these last three films, I, I've, for, for me, they've got far too much in them, all of them. And and the the weak parts of all of them are the London scenes. So yeah. if they if they just uh, if they just avoided London, apart from uh, Bond seeing M and being sent on his mission, I think uh, uh, they'd do much better in the future. In in yeah. the final version of Spectre, if once the uh, Spectre call center was destroyed, like the end, which Q <laughs> destroys, but we'll get onto that. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, it would have, it would have been, first of all, it would have been a movie about two hours, maybe two hours and five minutes. Um, that whole business in London, but again, they had to do London because they were building the sets like with the bridge and things. It, yeah. It's, 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 boy, it's, it's, it's like a trap. <laughs> yeah. So after all the whole <clears throat> May back and forth goes, Purvis and Wade are in right at this point. And they're, they're brought in. Jess Butterworth is working uncredited on the early bits. And the, the interesting thing through these emails is that everybody loves the first 100 pages. Like, yeah. everybody universally says it's great, but we can't wait to see what the third act is because it's, you know, the, it, the version they had at the beginning was pretty limp. Yeah. Um, the one thing that, one of the things that stuck out to me, and I know, Bill, this is like a point of, point of contention for you too, is, um, when they came out and said they're doing the pre-titles in Mexico City and everybody knew they were getting a tax break and everybody knew that Mexico City had, the Mexican government had requirements on them in order to get that tax break, producers said, no, 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 no. We're going there because we love the place. Email from Sony. We are very happy Mexico City. It gets us more money. It's yeah. Black and white. And, and, and one of the emails even says, oh, can we do some more to get that last $6 million worth? Yeah. <laughs> they wanted to squeeze it for every penny. And I understand why, because they, one of the emails says, we are under tremendous pressure to get the budget down to $250 million net of 
tax breaks and and whatnot. So in other words, $250 million with all the tax breaks factored in. And the way things were going was on a gross basis in terms of act, you know, actual spending it was going to be like in the mid $300 million range. Um, so we had to, you know, they had to maximize the tax breaks from Mexico and other sources, product placement. Uh, another might, might even be the same email talks about, yeah, they're real, real happy with the Heineken deal, really happy with the Sony deal. Oh, gee, I wonder where the Sony thing came from. But um, we got to get more, you know, just to get down their net costs cl- as close to $250 million as they could, which is an enormous amount of money. It's it's. And and two hundred fifty million dollars eight years ago, like <laughs> right, right. So there's a couple of versions of the script in October, mm-hmm. which was a couple of weeks before they started shooting. Um, I, I wondered if you wanted to walk through the October seventh one because I got some notes on this. Well, well, one thing I found curious was okay, it was his name was C's name was Bruce Denby rather yes. than Mac yeah. Denby. Good day, Bruce. Ooh. Yeah, and I, I was looking at that, and uh, the Bruce lasted uh, for quite some time because there was there was a feature with um, oh, I can't remember the actor's name now who played him. Oh, I know he was in uh, that uh, Sherlock uh, Holmes. Yeah, he played well, Moriarty in that Sherlock yeah, Holmes. Yeah, whatever his name is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he, he, uh, he, he, there was a feature with him in 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 some newspaper, and he was talking about uh, Bruce Denby in that, and that was that was right. December, right? So, yeah. uh, so I I think that must have changed during filming. Yeah, and and you know there is a history of these things where they change names, but usually involves the nationality of an actor. So. For example, right. Thunder, Thunderball was originally Fiona Kelly. It became Fiona Volpe when um, right. Luciana Paluzzi was cast. Origi- in You Only Live Twice, originally with Suki, it became Aki because you had an actress named Akiko. Um, yeah. Things like that. But like, there's no obvious reason that I could no. figure out. And the head of skin. MI5, you'd expect to be British. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But one of the things that I I noticed in the uh, October the 8th script is that the the pre-title sequence is slightly different. And yeah, it's, I I mean, it's it's better. Yeah, I think it's better too. I think it's better because, and um, Sciara doesn't get killed as he does in the film. He he gets, he gets shot dead by, by Bond in in the building. Then it through the window between the eyes. Yeah. Then, then Bond Bond knows what they're what they're planning on blowing up, so then he goes after that, and uh, so he, he, that takes him on another kind of mini mission with a with a, a local expat, and so yeah. um, before they before he gets onto the helicopter, and so that that was quite something. I thought that that was yeah. interesting, but there's something also I, I noticed in that there's some oh, some pretty poor dialogue. There's supposed to be one liners for, for Bond, and uh, it's like. Yeah. Um, you shouldn't smoke, and right. you you shouldn't drink and drive. That's right. You need to leave, yeah. and it's like talk about charmless. 
it's, it's can, like, can you it's imagine like, uh, Sean Connery or Roger Moore saying those? He just he just wouldn't. It needs to be it needs to be written far better than that. And they're, they're almost like health and safety notices. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But so it, it opens the same way as the film with, um, uh, except that the the dead or alive thing was a Mendes edition, like mm-hmm. not in any of this stuff. Um, I like that. Um, when they get into the hotel room, Bond takes off his costume, and underneath he's got a bulletproof black commando suit. Yes, <laughs> yes, a bulletproof commando suit. Oh yes, yes, yes. And, it, and he gets shot one time. Yeah, but, you know the the bulletproof <laughs> suit. Yeah. Saves yes, him. yes, and then it's later on that he takes that off, and he's got the he's got a suit on underneath that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. amazing. <laughs> But um, yeah, so you're right. So <clears throat> Skiara gets a bullet between the eyes and <clears throat> the building collapses. Bond pulls. And then, of course, he sees the hand sticking out the rubble and he pulls the specter ring off that dead yeah. hand. Yeah. <clears throat> and then they find that. And then so he's got to chase that terrorist cell. Then there's this ally Pruitt, I think his name is. That's and right. I love that. I love. It's a very clever way to do the product placement. Pruitt steals an old Heineken delivery truck. Yes. Yes. And their getaway vehicle is a Heineken delivery truck. Um, <laughs> Which smashes through the crowds and everything, um, and they had this whole plot that Skiara and Spectre were killing the governor at the stadium, and that whole that whole detail gets jettisoned in the mm-hmm. film. It's just like, oh, they were going to blow a stadium up as a terrorist attack. No, th- this was a plot to assassinate the governor through a bomb, and that's the terror cell he's trying to get. And he has like six or seven kills in the pre-title sequence, mm-hmm. doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, 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 and uh, yeah, I, I, it would have been, it would have been slightly longer, but I, I, I think it would have went, it would have worked better. I mean, I do like the pre-title sequence for for Spectre, but th- this would have improved it. Yeah, and he still, you know, he throws the pilot out of the helicopter when he doesn't get any information about. It. But the whole Pale King thing is right there from the beginning, yep. right? Yeah. Um, yeah, but you're right. The the dialogue is so clunky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard to imagine how it would be delivered well. Public but. service announcement. Please <laughs> so, mind the gap. I mean, it's almost like that, right? <laughs> Bill, do you have any thoughts on the alternative titles, pre-titles? Um, again, I was the fact that he had an assistant, um, which makes sense. You know that uh, he wouldn't just be doing this totally on his own. Right. Um, you know, I mean, the guy doesn't upstage Bond at all. It, it, it's act, actually quite logical. Oh, one thing that I found interesting, if I read it right, he, he takes his PPK and puts attachments onto it. Yeah, laser uh, listening attachment on it. Yeah. Yeah. Whereupon in the, in the finished movie, he just has a you know, separate weapon, which makes, that makes more sense than just trying to do all these add-ons to a, PPK, which is a relatively small weapon, um, it would kind of weigh the thing down. I would think if you put too many attachments onto a PPK, but um, but yeah, that caught my eye. The earlier killing, like like David mentioned of Skiara, um, yeah. in fact, that does make a lot more sense because the thing is, you know, in the final film, Skiara is not the most impressive physical specimen. Should it really have taken Bond as long right. as it did to kill him off? Um, dodgy knees. I guess so, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I bet you Craig was ruining the changes, right, after he busted his knee, because all he had to do was sit in a Heineken truck. 
<laughs> well, I, I didn't. I think he goes through the windscreen onto the bonnet, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. But he wouldn't have to chase any after anybody. No, true. Yeah, yeah the, the Heineken truck reminds me of Goldeneye with the Perrier yes. truck that the that yeah. tank plows through. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's one way of doing product placement, but you know, you're maintaining the action. It's not just kind of it's not totally in your face. It's actually kind of ingrained into the flow of the story. Do you, do you think the decision to drop Pruitt, the ally, the expat ally, which I think was really well done, he was quick into the story and quick out of the story, but it was pretty well done. Um, do you think that's like, well, it's Budget a pre-title cut. sequence. It's got to be Bond <laughs> on his own because it's the pre-titles. Like, it, it might have also been a budget cut. Like, okay, that's one less actor we have to hire. Mm. Uh, okay, so we, we get into the main film. There were shots of the sequence, bits of it. They changed it a little bit. But in this script, when Money come, Money Penny comes to visit Bond in his apartment, he's got a girlfriend and yeah, yeah, yeah. That the, I, that would have worked better as well. That that would have yeah. been much more Bond than than the scene as it is in the film. I think. And and apparently some of that was filmed, and then they yeah. reshot it yes, without her. At the end of the movie, at the end of production, they reshot that whole thing. Yeah, yeah, uh, reportedly. Yeah. yeah, but but I've seen stills where you could see her like at the edge of the the shot or something. Yeah. There were Wearing there was some visu- yeah there was visual evidence of her presence. Yeah, so somewhere out there, there's an actress that's got a great story to tell that nobody believes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was in a Bond film, but you didn't see me. Yeah. I think one of the biggest changes earlier on, I mean, this, this, the first half of this is pretty polished, but um, the big change that I found going through this was the Spectre meeting. Yes. Well, first of all, the depiction of the leader, as he's referred to in the script, where he's got the bandages on his face and he's on a, a IV and, uh, and he's got this condition where he's constantly having to go into surgery. Um, that's interesting, but reading it, I remembered some interview Michael G. Wilson did sometime in the past 25 years, roughly, where <laughs> he talked about some outside writer had pitched an idea involving a villain come based on Stephen Hawking. And then Wilson, quoting himself, said, so what, what does he do when Bond decides to throw him down the stairs? You know, in right. other words, having a physically incapacitated um, villain is kind of an issue uh, if, if Bond can, once he gets to him, can, right. can do away with him very easily, which comes up later in the script yes. when uh, on the bridge and Bond kills yeah. him. Uh, yeah. He picks him up and chokes him and that's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the... Uh, it- I, I I didn't I didn't really like like that whole thing of the the bandages and the this disease or whatever he's got and uh, although the, it, it kind of reminded me of of um, Thunderball with with the you know with the plastic surgery and and, and stuff and, uh, mm. and shrublands and and but what it what it did improve for me though was um, Blofeld's motivations uh, it. it if once once you understood that he'd always been a sickly kid, and you know that's why Bond was the the favourite of of his uh, of of Blofeld's father, then then it, it 
the the whole motivation seems a bit more realistic as it stands at the moment it's just you know it just doesn't it doesn't make much yeah. sense at all right because the way it comes across in the finished film was like dad always liked you best <laughs> yeah and, and that's <laughs> it. it and it's just like a spoiled brat it's yeah yeah it, <laughs> It's, it's well, nothing, nothing more than that. So, uh, one thing in the um, when Blofeld is introduced, though, and I, I think it's—I don't know if it's in both of these scripts, but certainly the October the eighth one is the bucket of eyeballs. Yes, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just to set that up. So Skiara is like Blofeld's right hand man. Yeah, and so that when when he gets killed, that the, the Blofeld's pissed off. So he, he calls in a hundred. Spectre agents to question them about what they know about the the killing, <laughs> right? And then the, the the results are presented in a silver urn <laughs> on the meeting table, <laughs> which is all two hundred eyeballs spilling out. Nah. Which, which 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 goes back to this is a running joke among Bond fans. It's like, why would you ever get a job at Spectre when you see that they kill people that they don't make? I mean, they must pay really, really well. Well, they're not going to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> but there's no business meeting, right? Mm-hmm. There's no discussion about their activities, <clears throat> which I think was later introduced and. I wonder if I wonder if Mendes was trying to do the playoff on the spe- on the Thunderball meeting, right? Where they yeah, yeah, no, I think I think so. yes, definitely. Um, yeah, I, I I think so. I I, I think definitely so. Um, but, then, but, then, say, but then Blofeld says, "Well, I know who did it. He's here with us tonight." Yes, right. And he says, well, so why kill a hundred Spectre agents? Yeah, well. Well, they had to they had to cut costs, you know, sort of like Disney right now. Yeah. Like Twitter. It's the Spectre layoffs. The Spectre layoffs. It's like reply by midnight that you're a hardcore Spectre agent or always come to see me. You get your eyeballs taken out. Um I was about to say, I have a copy of the script that's actually dated December. So this would have been like the draft just before filming, because I think I think it's dated December fourth, and they started filming on December eighth, twenty fourteen. Yeah, and you know it's very close, especially the first hundred pages. But there were like some oddities then, because that's the version I've cited before, where Blofeld talks about playing poker with bond as a kid and like he had a really great hand they were playing for walnuts as chips and uh, and and bond out bluffed him and just and and like oh and so that's why you became a super villain um this script had the thing and i know there were like references to it in stories at the time about blofeld went back to some foreign legion outfit yeah um, yeah that's coming, that's coming up next when bond meets mr white Okay. All right. Yeah. But I did pick one little thing out between the two on the car chase. The car chase remains largely the same. You know, it's the same gadgets, the same jokes, the same ending, down to the parachute and by the garbage truck guy. I mean, it's all the yeah. that, that continues. And, and, the, and the Fiat. And the Fiat, yes. And the Fiat, yeah. Damn it. The only, <laughs> the only thing that changes are two things. One is the joke music changes. Right? Yeah. And I think that's probably just a rights thing that they found a cheap way I'm, of getting a different right. song. In yeah, there. What, what, what song is it in in the script then? Oh, it's L O V E by 
I forget. There's a okay. couple of different like I'll, I'll take yeah, a look. Like, uh, show and, show and, tunes kind of ideas, you know. Yeah, but because what? they because uh, the the version or what, what did they what was it? It was Ah, uh, was it my way they they, they played in the in the it film? Was, uh, yeah, uh, but it wasn't was Sinatra. It, oh, or was it New York, New York? Uh, New York, New York, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it, it's not. It's not Sinatra singing, which is what you'd expect. No, right. It was a song. It, whatever it was, it was a song associated with Sinatra, but it was not a Sinatra <laughs> yeah. version. Yeah. And also one oh, thing. Dusty Dusty Springfield spooky oozes out of the speakers. Bond can't stop it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know why he didn't eject at that point. And I, and I was about to say in the stage directions for the chase it attempts to give it a sense of urgency that's totally lacking in the final film yeah they talk about how fast the cars are going and and all that but i think there was an issue where in that part of rome you couldn't really go 90 miles an hour or whatever um yeah because the joke is like money penny says where what are you doing and he goes about 90 which i right. thought was yeah. a good a good line yeah. yeah, yeah, but the what? Yeah, one thing about the the car chase and what, one of the problems with it is is that whole conversation in the middle of the car chase. He should be concentrating on driving, but you know it keeps cutting back to to money penny, and it just it uh, it's kind of unrealistic because it means that uh, Bond isn't going all out in his driving to escape uh, Hinks when right. you'd think he, he would be because, you know, he's got, he's spending all this time and effort uh, speaking to Moneypenny because surely he could, uh, he could speak to her afterwards to get the information. But right. um, the, but th this is picked up in one of the emails and somebody says, nah, and, but right. and, and it's a, a lot of the problems, a lot of the problems with the, with, that made it to the film were picked up early on, but they just weren't able to, to sort yeah. them out sufficiently. It's, yeah. it, it, it's amazing. Well, well and to amplify David's point, so imagine in Goldfinger, when Sean Connery is driving the uh, DB5 around Goldfinger's factory yeah. property, that he's like on the phone with, uh, with Moneypenny. Oh, yeah. I <laughs> got a bunch of guys shooting at me. Oh, and there's this old lady with a machine gun. Man, that's like hard. <laughs> and, or, or in The Spy Love Me, you know, like, you know, Roger Moore's on the phone with Moneypenny, you know, when uh, the, you know, Naomi's in the helicopter trying to get him and all these other guys are trying to get him. Oh, man, this is really, I'm having a hard day, Moneypenny. <laughs> you know, just... It's it's a distraction. It's it's like they they needed exposition, but uh, right, not the way to do it. But. Yeah, or at least not exact, not at that exact point. Well, yeah. the thing that the thing that they could have solved it because in the pre-titles, he's trying to find out who the Pale King is, mm -hmm. right? Why not find out who it is while he kills or throws the guy out the helicopter? Almost like Kaka Cairo or pyramids. It's like have the guy hanging off the ledge tell you who it is, and then you don't have to have this. Or exposition yeah, later. Specifically pyramids. Uh, Spy who loved me. Like, right. where, where's Feckish? Pyramids. Ah! Right. So <laughs> yeah. you, can, you can, like, Bond can um, interrogate people and then kill them. But Money yeah. Penny can open a fridge, get on a phone, and find the answer out. Uh, like, yeah. That's the fundamental logic flaw is they, they set up this mystery for Bond to solve, but then couldn't find a way of him solving it. Yeah. Um, start, you know, they kind of got that backwards. The thing that made me chuckle when I was reading this back was with no time to die in the rearview mirror now was Bond escapes the uh, at Rome locate, you know, meeting in the DB in the DB10 by doing donuts and making a smoke screen. 
Right. Which they obviously did no time to die, right? Um, but you couldn't do that at Blenheim Palace because it's gravel. Nah. Hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. Never want to waste an idea, right? No, we'll just, no, we'll no, just do no. it in the next no. one. We'll make sure yeah. there's plenty of Coca-Cola. And we'll yes. do it in the next one. So you want to get into the backstory of the leader, um, Bill, because that's that comes up when Mr. White's playing yes. chess. chess at the yeah, account. so we – and some of this had leaked out during filming or whatever. But, yeah, so in this one version, you know, there had been this uh, Foreign Legion outfit, uh, Blofeld well, – I don't think they ever actually called him Blofeld in the script, but you know he's part of it. Mr. White's part of it. And there were other guys, Stockman, yes, and and they were like cut off, no food, and Blofeld kills these guys, cuts their throats, and I guess eats them. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's not. Um, it's it's obliquely referenced by saying they became our rations. Yes. Yeah. Right. So like, so Mr. And, White is also a cannibal at this point. And right, and and. And the outfit apparently had the name Spectre in it. And there was this logo of an octopus and one arm of the octopus is holding a jet plane, I think. And, 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 and I, yeah, Spectre de Pierre. And that's what money penny. And we'll get onto that. Right. And, and I'm sorry, I shouldn't cite this, but what flashed in my head was the 1966 Batman movie when the, Four villains banded together to form Gotham City Underwood. They had an octopus that had various things in its arm, and so I could see, you know, if they had filmed this version uh, in the movie, I could see a, an, an inventive YouTube player, YouTube person, like putting an insert of the shot of the Gotham City Underwood logo. <laughs> I uh, found this, James. <laughs> uh, oh no! It's a, it's a bit of a classic mistake to put your plot in your logo <laughs> yeah. as an organization yes oh so yeah blowfell was a cannibal and um made mr white a cannibal to survive the desert yeah. back in the day but that's when they also talk about the fact that he had a organ wasting disease right and he survives through surgeries and all the rest of it yeah uh, from poor people which is nice nice right. And and it's also then why Mr. White, in the course of this ordeal, he decided he loved Tangiers, and so that's why he came back all the time. It's like, yeah, here's the scene where I became a cannibal. Yeah, I, I have such true, fond yeah. memories. They keep going back to Tangier. Yeah. I don't so know. This First, if it were me and I had gone through that, I probably wouldn't want to ever see Tangiers again. But you know, uh, people have different motivations. So then we skip along to the train sequence. Yeah, um, there are a couple of couple of things uh, here that's, that are interesting. One is that um, Madeline comments on Bond, "You travel with a tuxedo, right?" Because that, that's what well, that's one of the things that people, Bond fans, have pointed out or, or questioned. Is like why why does he have uh, a tuxedo in in his baggage when he's gone to uh, Tangier, but uh, uh, no, Bond always does it. From Austria. From Austria, yeah. <laughs> so he must have planned ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, um, and, and probably from London to Rome before that. So yeah, yeah, he's, he's yeah. been carrying it around for a while. <laughs> yep, yeah, he has, yeah. The other interesting thing I saw is um, 
Bond and Madeline's conversation is a lot longer. Yes. And Bond talks about getting thrown out of Eton when he got caught with a maid. Right. Oh, sorry, this is all under the clinic. Sorry. This that was all in the <laughs> clinic conversation, right? And Bond so yeah. they, they use the Bond's flow, you know, literary backstory in the clinic questioning. And I don't understand why they got rid of it. Because mm. it was pretty well, you know what? I suspect that was the influence of Jez Butterworth, who came in later and worked on the earlier parts of the movie while Purvis and Wade were trying to make sense of the third act, because I, I called this up. So in uh, I first learned of Jez Butterworth when The New Yorker did a profile of him. And then in the middle of the article, it mentioned how he worked on you know, these two Bond movies. And um, let's see. And it... it it disclosed for the first time that I saw that Butterworth was one of the writers on, on Spectre. And then there's a passage, I have it up. This was Butterworth's second bond. He worked on Skyfall 2, making the kind of script changes that his 12-year-old self, watching the movie at the St. Albans Odeon, would have pleased to see. You know, like Bond doesn't have scenes with other men. Bond shoots other men. He doesn't, he doesn't sit around chatting to them. So you put a line through that. I suspect... Based on that, that it's possible that a lot of the leaning out in the first hundred pages might have been his influence. I don't know. Mm. Uh, St. Albans Odeon. I, I knew it well when I was a kid, and it's where I, I saw my first Bond film, which I won't mention. I think we know. <laughs> uh, and maybe you went to see the same one. Who knows? Yeah. Um, and so this is where we get uh, onto Q being kidnapped. In Austria, which is um, he gets he gets kidnapped and he gets beaten up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He destroys his laptop in the hotel bathroom when he knows he's about to get taken. Um, and I had to. I, I kind of like. I can see why they got rid of this. I mean, they got rid of the whole kidnapping thing anyway. But Bond goes into the bathroom to see that you know Q smashed the laptop in the bathroom so that they couldn't use it. And Madeline comments like how shaken he is because Bond realizes that this is his mistake, that this has happened. And then goes to wash his hands or something and the steam goes on the mirror and it says Spectre on the mirror. (laughs) 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 That's like one of the oldest tropes. Well, for your eyes only. He's there. Yeah. (laughs) But every every kind of procedural show has had writing in the mirror when the steam goes on, right? Yeah. Yeah. But Bond, the line I took out of this was the stage direction is Bond is shaken by his mistake. So they jettison that whole subplot. Mm. This is one of these things that I can't, I can't decide whether the film would have been better or worse without it. You know, that would have, yeah, just, just spitballing it here, in a way that would have made him first among equals in the Scooby gang had they filmed it. Because that's a level of of uh, peril that you know you, you didn't get with Tanner, you didn't get with them, you didn't get with Money Penny. Um, it it really kind of elevates uh, the Ben Wishaw Q character. Yeah, maybe M a little bit in Skyfall because he's in the shootout. But yeah, mm-hmm. okay. yeah, that's yeah. true. Okay, yeah. yeah, that's true. But he's not um, M yet. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, the the other thing that stood out to me was like when when M confronts Money Penny in the next scene and um 
Money Penny reveals that it was Judy Dench's M that you know sent him this instruction. So he was actually following orders, and he wasn't just off on a holiday. Um, M orders Money Penny to go to the old building to start looking through paper records, mm-hmm. which we'll get on to, right? Because the whole crux of the film is about a, a bloody passport yeah. applica- application form for a passport. Oh, um, yeah. M laughs to it, the stage direction is M laughs to himself, and he says out loud, "Genius." He calls himself a genius. <laughs> a stable genius. Well, uh, <laughs> well, 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 the events of No Time to Die should have disabused him of that notion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, actually, there's one, there's one other um, thing that I noticed in, in these scripts, or one, one of these scripts, that there's um, a bit when uh, Bond is walking down, is walking through MI6, and they've got you know, desks, rows of desks of typists. Yeah, and it's like, uh, Jesus, what uh, parallel right. universe do the script write, these scriptwriters live in? They don't have uh, deskfuls I, of typists anymore. It, it reminded me of like <laughs> Churchill's war rooms. Yeah, right, where you have all the wrens, like rows yeah. of them. Yes, with type with typewriters. Yeah. <laughs> so we skip to Tangiers. Um. Madeline reveals that Mr. White got divorced. Yes. And in the final film, obviously, that's like, oh, she left years ago, right? They changed it. They made it ambiguous. But they straight out got divorced in this. And I did prefer the earliest, this October scripts version of the hotel sequence because Madeline goads Bond that even though she doesn't drink, doesn't mean she can't. Mm-hmm. And she can drink his ass under the table. So they they basically just keep taking shots out of the schnapps bottle. Yeah, yeah. It's because I I I, I, like, I do like this scene in in the film, uh, but uh, I always thought that it it's a bit rushed. It, they should have slowed it down a bit more, and uh, because it, I think it would have helped with the development of the relationship between Bond and Madeline, which you know it yeah. it, it, it just. You, you never really buy it in, in either of the films that she's in, I think. Right. So she gets drunk before him. Mm-hmm. He asks her to kiss her. He refuses. Then she asks him to come to bed. He declines. <laughs> and it's kind of Roger in A View to Kill sitting in the chair with the shotgun kind of vibes. Um, like he's not going to take advantage of her because she's drunk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, I, I just thought it was... I I preferred this version than what we had in the film, but I agree with you that either way, it's a bit of a leap to what we get in the end. Uh-huh. And the, the um, and in in the film when she uh, she's she's she starts muttering something in French about all the, to all the liars and and right. so on. And it, it, it the, it's slightly different in, in this one. Is it? Is it to all the bastards or something like yeah, that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, again, I wonder with uh, Madeline, maybe if they had stuck to the original plan of two movies, maybe that love story would have had more room to breathe. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's it's just rushed. No matter which version you read, it's it's still very rushed. Um, but. Yeah, go, going back a few steps, the whole like after the clinic and Bond rescues her in in this script, Madeline is like enthusiastic that Bond's trying to save her. Um, they only just met, 
And then, you know, when at the end, when Hinks gets thrown through the window and something, in the final film, obviously, she's pissed, right? She's yelling at him. Um, in this script, she's just kind of like, well, clearly they're after me and not after you. Like, duh. You know, it was a lot less hostile. So yeah. in the final film, in the final film, there's a lot, there's a bigger mountain to climb in their relationship because they start lower, <laughs> yeah. which, didn't, which didn't help it. No, no, because um, I've said this before in the final film, when she's yelling at him, she's angry with him. I'm totally convinced when suddenly she's like in love with him, like, wait, what did I, right. was there a scene I missed? <laughs> a movie. Yeah. Um, so this script flip flops between like money, penny in the paper archives of MI6 trying to find something. She finds Le Spectre de Pierre in the archives, which is like, start with the letter S right. Um, for Spectre. Um, and that's when she discovers a passport application from Oberhauser that has his fingerprints on it and he is wanted for murder of the father and that's when the penny starts to drop that Stockman is Oberhauser is that a fair assessment what goes on here because uh, it's yes, not clear I... it's not very clear no. <laughs> no but yeah that's that's a reasonable conclusion based on so, what's on the page so the, the, the notes from MGM and Sony and stuff go back and forth on this and that one of them calls it dopey that stockman's whole plot is to get this document back yeah. because this is the only thing left in a digital world this is the analog document of a passport application <laughs> that has his fingerprints on that can prove he is oberhauser and is wanted for murder that's it that's the whole thing well and you know, you're about to, if not take over the world, supposedly this will make you more powerful. Although, although even that's not clear to me. The whole Nine Eyes thing, I have trouble with. Like, they can already t keep tabs on every person on Earth. So how does this make them e even more powerful? Regardless, once you have it, you're in such a position of power. Um, who cares? I, who cares about this passport thing? Because um let's face it you know the you know we we deal with uh, governments who have leaders who have blood on their hands all the time <laughs> what 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 right. difference does it make so now we actually get to the train i jumped ahead earlier very similar right um yeah to the final film. yeah the it, 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 it's interesting the changes between these two scripts the, the, yeah. It was the October the 8th and October the, is it 14th, the second one? Yeah. Yeah. It's because in the first one, uh, they're, they're, the thing that is missing is, well, a couple of things. One is uh, Hinks turns out to be the waiter who brings them their drinks. Yes. And it's, yes. it's a vodka martini rather than a, a dirty vodka martini and uh, just small small uh change there but the, the the big thing really is that um bond and madeline don't have the conversation about uh guns and so she doesn't tell him about the gun uh the gun next to the bleach bottle and uh she stabs uh hinks right rather than shoot him rather than shoots him yeah yeah. And don't they at some point encounter the real waiter? He's like tied up or something, you know, because Hinks had stolen his uniform. Mm -hmm. Which you uh, kind of wonder. I mean, 
Hinks is described in the script as like a beast of a man. I mean, <laughs> what size was this waiter <laughs> for him to steal his clothes? Well, well that, <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. <laughs> and, and apparently he left him alive. Well, why did he do that? He's like shown his, he's shown his life killing people. Why did he let, let the waiter off the hook? Um, and then they, and, and I don't recall, I don't think Bond and Madeline ever go back to let him out or untie him. <laughs> no, no they, I, they've got other things to do. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've got, uh, I, I know the answer to the, um, the uniform fitting him or not he, he, Hinks did not steal the uniform from the waiter basically okay. he, he's like Bond Bond travels with his tuxedo everywhere Hinks travels with a waiter's costume everywhere yeah, <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> uh, um, so we get into the station this all plays out pretty much as it does in the film the Rolls Royce turns up Bentley in the, the script yes Bentley in the script but the whole like Please. And all those lines, mm-hmm. they're all the same. Um, but then we get some, then it kind of forks up. So this is when Irma Bunt shows yes. up. Out of nowhere. She welcomes Madeline into her room with very pervy sexual kind of connotations. And then disappears from the script. Mm. Which probably made it easier for to dispense with her altogether later. <laughs> But yeah. uh yeah. I mean yeah, so, she she seems to be there basically to have a leering eye at, at Madeline and kind of like, well, she served her purpose. Um Well, and then she pops up at the <clears throat> MI6 building, but um yeah. Like, there's no lead up to this character at all. No. Um she just literally pops up to welcome into her room and what how do you feel about the idea that they even thought about bringing that character back? Well, uh, you know, they kind of telegraphed that because remember there was the one trailer that had Honor Majesty's Secret Service style music to yeah. it. It was it was clearly on their mind um, because, okay, this script doesn't have it, but at the very end of the December script that I mentioned earlier, it actually has in the last line. We have all the time yeah. in the world. So yeah. clearly this was on the minds of Purvis and Wade all throughout this production that this would be a kind of a combination of, of uh, majesties and you only live twice. Um, so I'm, I'm not surprised that they flirt. Well, they did more than flirt. They actually did drafts where she was in it, but uh, eh, whatever. Yeah. At the, uh, the meeting where it all comes together and Bond realizes Stockman's Oberhauser, I mean, like, <laughs> giant leap. Um, I did like the fact that Stockman doesn't like cats. Right. He, yeah, he, yeah. He pushes the cat off the dinner table. It is table a filthy, filthy thing or something, he yeah, says. Filthy animal. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think was a good subversion, right, of the tribe. Right, yeah. right because in the final film, you know, it's like, well, it's just, you know, it's it's his cat, you know, and there's no... But yeah, this is... Like you said, it's a version of the trope. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and again, I always had problem with the final film that they, they went so far back to the Donald Pleasance thing, even to the point of having his, you know, eye wounded and having the scar, you know, by the, by the end of the movie. It's like, you don't have to do that. Why? 
why are you doing that? Well, now we know the answer is like they, you know, they flirted with all sorts of ideas, but, you know, kind of went back to their comfort zone. Yeah. So we don't have the meteor thing here. We have um, Bond gets taken prisoner in the solar furnace, which is a bunch of reflective panels that mm-hmm. heat, the, heat the place up. And this is when Bond threatens Stockman with, well, we've got your passport application back in London. <laughs> um, if I die, 008 will follow me. No, it's like if it will be released to the media and it will prove that you're Oberhauser and you're wanted for your father's murder. And Stockman thinks he's bluffing, and yet that causes him to go to London and visit the old building with Irma Bunt, which we'll get onto in a bit. Um, and this is where the whole uh, trying to tie up all the other movies into the plot starts kicking off because Stockman has this whole he has this whole speech where he sent he sent Silver to go kill M to punish Bond, and it was his idea to do that. Um, and uh, basically, this whole thing was triggered because Bond blundered into killing Le Chief, which was Blofeld's money man. And that's what kicked off all this whole thing. That's obviously, thankfully, scrapped from the film and replaced by those 10 by 8s in the shooting gallery. But um, Q's held a, j- a prisoner in the adjacent cell. But what got me curious in the script was Bond sleeps in the prison cell, known cues in the adjacent cell, and only thinks to wake him the following morning when the sun's about to come out. <laughs> like, he waits to the point where they're going to die to be like, "Q, wake up." He wanted to. He wanted to give Q some time to heal up from his beating. I think. Yeah. No, I don't. This, know. I'm, I'm kidding. This is <laughs> so the, the Bond villain trope of leaving Bond to his death unobserved kicks in. Stockman flies off in the helicopter with Madeline captive. So she's not even there for the base destruction. Um, it's interesting. Bond doesn't know his watch is a bomb until Q tells him. Yes. Yes. He said, in fact, he says, I lied. It's a bomb. You know, or words yeah. to that effect. Yeah. So, yeah, so, what, so why did he bother give, giving it to him? <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, oh, that's you. He's he's such a card. Fun <laughs> right, blows the door off, which he could have done about eight to twelve hours earlier, <laughs> when, uh, before the sun came up and they were in the mortal danger. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> at this point, their skin is starting to burn and everything, so it's last minute. So Bond blows the door up, and um, and Q has to shoot the other guard. So Q gets uh, gets one of his double O kills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's. Uh... That's quite a departure for the character, isn't it? Yeah. And he has a big moment of guilt, which, which, which is interesting because I've been, I haven't done a piece lately. I've been serializing the treatment for License to Kill. So at one point in the treatment, not the script, you know, Desmond Llewellyn Kill reflects on how much fun it is to be a double O agent. So hereupon Ben Wishaw Q, that's eh, not so much fun. Um, right. And he has a big guilt moment. I, I did like, it's a very clever line where Bond says, sometimes a trigger has to be pulled. Obviously harking back to Q's advice to Bond in Skyfall. So Bond, yes. turn, Bond turns that back on himself. Yeah, good, and, yeah, good uh, point, yeah. yeah. Which was very good. So Q is the one that ends up destroying the base mm-hmm. by reprogramming the reflective panels to aim at the cooling system. Um, meanwhile, um, 
Stockman, Blofeld, Oberhauser, whoever you want to call him, is on a private jet with Madeline heading to London to get that damn passport application. There. <laughs> <laughs> so they, before Brexit, before yes, which um, it, the building's derelict. I mean, and it's going to be demoed. I mean, it, what, why not just let it get demoed and it goes in the archives anyway? Um, and what was the British government doing, leaving? secret intelligence archives <laughs> in the basement of a building that was going to be blown up. Anyway, it boggles the mind. Um, so everybody arrives back in London for the finale, right? Um, and this document is so precious to the Stockman character because it would reveal him as Oberhauser and then he'd be up for Interpol charges or whatever. So important to him that he sends Irma to go get it rather than himself. Mm-hmm. While he attends a little champagne and canapé reception at the CNS building for the new MI5, and I wonder if they changed this bit because it's so similar to Skyfall. M comes out of the building ready to leave or whatever from his mm-hmm. farewell party, and Bond is the driver of the limo. Right. Yeah. And whisks M off to a to a meeting because um, the double O section has been closed down. I mean, that's the same as Skyfall, right? Yeah. Where M gets in her car and it's like, oh, Bond's the one that's driving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, too similar. Yeah. I think so, yeah. So Irma discovers that the file is missing because, you know, there's like a gap in the bookshelf or something. Um, Stockman goes to the CNS. But I'm going to rip through this because it's kind of boring. Stockman goes to the CNS building. Madeline and Irma start fighting in the old MI6 building because Irma takes her along with her for some reason. Um, Bond gets a helicopter from somewhere and lands it on the old MI6 building roof. There's a shootout with some faceless goons. Um, this is the point where Stockman learns that Bond is still alive um, whilst he's listening to C's speech, the building opening. And then there's these kind of like stage directions of them all staring at each other, stuff like that. Tanner and M infiltrate the CNS computer system launch. <laughs> And Q hacks in it. There's a very good line where M asks Q something like, well, couldn't you hack it from the outside? And Q was like, well, I'd be very worried if you could. <laughs> Just <Yeah. laughs> acknowledging the fact that in Skyfall, that's what happens. Um, so the Scooby-Doo gang hack into C's demonstration of the Nine Eyes. And C's making jokes about like how somebody used public transport to get to the meeting. And they can basically know everybody's movements. So they hack into it to change the presentation to show C's movements on the projector screen with all the dignitaries there. And then M starts like, oh, look, you went to Switzerland six times and met this guy and, you know, basically show him up. Why would C, who's in charge of the system, allow his own data to be in it? Because he's a moron. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, it's a PowerPoint presentation, and M switches the slides to show C's movements and show that he is corrupt. Mm-hmm. Um, and this lines up the reveal that Stockman is wanted for murder because he's actually Oberhauser, and he set up Spectre, which means nothing to anybody in that room yeah, at all, because they don't even know what Spectre is, right? Mm. Um, and then Moneypenny sent to chase Stockman through the exits to the boats and the boat launches, which is why there's boats in the final film, because they had them in this version of the script. Oh, God, yeah. 
Also, also um, earlier it, it was established that the Stockman Foundation financed the construction yes. of that building. Yeah, which wasn't that clear in the final film, right? And um, it, which got into the whole thing. At, at one point, there was an exchange. Well, you know, essentially, uh, C has a sugar daddy's paid for his building. We have to make do with Mister and Missus Taxpayer. Yeah. Um, I forget if that was Tanner or somebody made that crack about Mr. and Mrs. Taxpayer, but, um, which was interesting, which, you know, you would think, you would think that might set off some alarm bells. Like, wait, our most secret building, which, you know, this organization we've created by the merger of MI5 and MI6, and we've got an outside person paying for it. Like, uh, Uh, well, well, one question I've got in uh, in the film is it explicit that um, that uh, Demby is MI five? Yes, it, yeah. it is. I, I, I it don't, is. I don't it, remember that. Okay, yeah, well, it's, it's basically a hostile takeover merger. Yeah, yeah. MI five is going to absorb MI six. Yeah, no, I, I, I was I was just curious. I, I noticed that when I was reading the script, but I, that's not something that really. Uh, yeah. Uh, stuck with me from watching the film. Okay. But also the problem with that, and one of the studio execs points this out, Mm -hmm. is that most audiences wouldn't know the difference between MI5 and MI6. No. Oh, yeah. The the media often confuse them. Yeah. Add add GCHQ and what is CNS? It's like all of a sudden you've got four intelligence organizations. I mean, You you know, for the American audiences only, if you had, you know, you'd explain, it'd be like if the CIA and the FBI merged. Right, right. Um, which actually, you had something, not exactly like that. In in World War II, actually, the FBI did some foreign intelligence work. They they had responsibility for South America, where, right. whereupon the OSS was, you know, Europe and... Right, Asia. And other, yeah. Asia. But yeah, uh, yeah it's it's... I don't know. Maybe everybody figured like, yeah, just go with it. Just let's speed I, everyone through. Yeah. I mean, the simplification would have just been like, they were going to just disband the double O section because technology is, they, they flirt with this in the scripts that technology superseded the double O need for the double O mm. section. That would have been a cleaner, simpler plot than trying to do a merger and acquisition story. Yeah. But, but and then there's also a bit, there's a bit at the end of the, at the, of the film when M goes on to the bridge and he, he says uh, I, that he's, uh, he's with the double O section. He doesn't say MI6 and it's like, hang on. Yeah. Uh, I thought you were the head of MI6, not just the, the double O section. What, what's happened here? Right. Yeah. Um, and there was the whole, he brought his Northern Ireland brigade, platoon or whatever right that he used to command to the bridge right and that Mm -hmm. gets tossed um so because it's a demolition site bond decides to go and commandeer a digger (laughs) sponsored by jcb sponsored by jcb uh, or caterpillar i think probably right Uh, caterpillar with casino royale sponsor Um, yeah caterpillar was on skyfall remember the train and and smashes through the wall at irma bunt which is Again, maybe they pulled it because it's too similar to Skyfall and Casino, right? Um, so Irma and Madeline end up jumping through the hole in the floor, which is telegraphed, right? Because they have a safety net underneath it from the demo. Um, 
and Madeline and Irma have a fight akin to Bond on the back of the plane in Living Daylights, where they're both hanging on a net that's going to fall, and mm-hmm. oh. Madeline, Madeline kicks her off it to her death, and then Bond grabs her to safety. Well, oh, oh, and in addition, Die Another Day, where um, uh, Jinx and... Uh, um, yeah. What, what's her Frost. name? <laughs> Frost. You know, yeah. have a fight yeah. uh, to the death. Um, it's, it's it's not a direct copy, but you know, similar dynamic. Yeah. Um, and Money Penny gets gets a piece of action because um, she shoots at the two fleeing boats and blows one of them up. Mm. Oh yeah, is there a crack about? Yeah, I told yep. you I was a good shot. Yeah, 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 yeah. She she said she mentions that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't always miss or, or or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So she gets a redemption arc, right, in this yeah. film, which was great, which sadly they took out. Yeah. Um, Bond steals an ambulance. <laughs> He's just stealing vehicles this whole time. <laughs> he steals an ambulance to get through the London roadblocks, which is a clever idea. But it's, again, it's the fire truck and a video killer. Um, well, or, or even going back to the living daylights, because originally Bond stole a police car before he yes. got his before he got his. You know, Aston souped up Aston Martin. Martin because the the thing that was in the final film was the whole thing about his ability to monitor uh, police uh, police signals, right? Which goes which goes back to when he you know simply stole a police car and he could like you know listen yeah. in. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, who knows <laughs> if they actually thought of all this stuff? But you know, hardcore Bond fans think of it right. all the time. <laughs> so this is where they like. This is why they started building Westminster Bridge for a set, which Purvis made then had to reuse in a different scenario. So Stockman is on the boat, but he needs to get to his helicopter. So he has to drive the boat to Westminster Bridge because, you know, why not go for the tourist one? Um, park, <laughs> get out, climb the bridge. And that's where Bond's waiting for him. Right. Um, and they have a face-off where Blofeld, sorry, Stockman's got a machine pistol and he's got his PPK. And Bond shoots the gun out of his hand. <laughs> um, then, of course, his PPK jams because, you know, we can't have him just shoot the villain. Um, Stockman reaches for his pistol. This goes on for a little bit, and they basically have a little bit of a face-off. Um, and Bond justifies his Oberhauser's father feeling guilty for his illness because his father apparently wanted them to climb together, but because of his son's illness, they couldn't. And it's, and so Bond grabs him by the throat and lifts him up and chokes him to death. As you do. As you do. And you know, the little with, feet, with, with, the little which, feet jiggling. Which actually echoes earlier in the movie when uh, Hinks was with that one guy and they're both trying both going to be the replacement yeah. for what's his name and the one guy you know gives well, well why should we pick you and he like gives his basically his resume yeah. and then hinks picks him up and gouges his eyes out breaks his neck um so yeah that it struck me the similarity of uh stockman's demise versus that other demise earlier in the script but this is bond getting revenge for his adopted father Right at the end of this film, yeah, yeah, and 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 then he rushes over, pulls Madeline out of the crashed ambulance just before it falls over the side of the bridge, and then it ends pretty much the same, right? Except for the Majesty's line, not being present. Yeah, 
Yeah, so, yeah, it's it, it's uh, right. He throws the gun right. over, and Madeline asks, "Well, why did you do that?" He says, "It was weighing me down." Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's clear it's at also, this stage that Daniel broke. <laughs> Sorry. It was also jammed, so what you yeah, yeah, true. But it, I, I think it's clear at this stage that uh, it was intended to be uh, Daniel Craig's final film. Yes. Yeah. So this goes back to your point, Bill, about Michael G. Wilson years ago saying, like, what do you do if it's a physically incapacitated villain? How does Bond kill him? Well, in this case, he picks him up by the neck and kills him. Um, it's probably not a good look, is it? No. No, it, it's... So whereupon in the final film, Bond lets him live, which actually evokes, oh, I don't know how many Batman stories right. where he lets the Joker live, like Batman killed a guy. He's like, you made your life miserable, but never happens um, and, didn't, and didn't happen in the final film, obviously. No. So how do you guys rate the October-ish scripts versus what we got? Well, I, I've got to say that um, I, I'm unlike most uh, Bond fans, and I, I quite like Spectre, d- despite its very obvious flaws. And the, uh, you know, the, the, there were a few. Uh, uh, I've said this, I think, twice before, that they, they knew what the problems with it were very, very early on, and they just weren't able to to correct them adequately in my opinion right. uh so i i don't think you know there are a few areas where it's improved slightly but i, I don't think there's i don't think they improved them anywhere near as uh, much as they needed to and you know it, the, the whole thing about blofeld being bond's foster brother is you know is still ridiculous um but the the thing that I would have liked to have seen is the extended pre-title sequence. Uh, yeah, I, I do I do like that. It uh, if they if they if they'd uh, sorted out the the dialogue, it would have been would have been funny. Um, it would have been you know even more action packed, and uh, I think it would have been really something. Yeah, I I think there are elements about the Octoberish scripts that are better. Um, you know, actually, it, you know what? If they just called him Stockman, don't say he's Blofeld. You know, say he's running Spectre, fine. But you know that would you know that would have also played against expectation because everybody was expecting. Oh, as soon as they got the rights back, they're going to stick Blofeld in. Well, yeah, you know, if they just kept it Stockman and the whole business about the uh, Foster brother thing wouldn't have been as bad, right? I think you know it just you know it. You know, you you leave Blofeld for another day. You know the character Blofeld, and and also if you kept it as Stockman, the joke about the cat, oh, that would have played with audience, at least the old time old timers' expectations as well. And even granted the Michael G. Wilson thing about a financial, uh, excuse me, physically impaired villain, you know, I I thought that was an interesting idea. I'm not sure that I would have been crazy about the 200 eyeballs <laughs> thing right but uh there's there are some interesting concepts um it just um i don't know it it um 
maybe it would have been better, you know, like this or a variation of this. Hmm. Uh, I, I just, I just thought of something with the eyeballs pill, uh, given that, uh, Blofeld was supposed to be a cannibal. Perhaps he should have popped one of them in his mouth, <laughs> <laughs> like 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 Luger Don did with the, uh, the, the supposed sheep, yeah, sheep head. <laughs> yeah, <eyeball>. which was <laughs> that. That should have, that should have been the entree, uh, the uh, the dinner, the Blofeld, the Spectre dinner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I will tell you, the first time I saw Octopussy and Luger Don did that, I go. Oh. And then, like, you know, after I saw it two or three times, oh, it's really just a hard-boiled egg. But right. <laughs> the first time, I was shocked. So so imagining what it had been like, you know, something that's supposed to be 200 eyeballs. Yeah, you imagine, like, Chris Corbold and his team sitting down reading this pre-production script, like, where are they going? We're going to get 200 eyeballs from. <laughs> Chris, you're going to fake it. Chris, all the, all the CGI team. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think there's a lot of good stuff in here, David. And I do wonder if in Bond 26 or Bond 27, we're going to see Bond stealing an old Heineken truck to escape. Because that's yeah. too, too good an idea, too, too, too sly an idea to let go. Yeah. Um, to me, it's the, as you say, it's, there were fundamental problems from the beginning. Nobody was able to solve them. When this happened with Bond 25, they just scrapped the entire script and started again. So. And they had plenty of time. So I don't know why they persisted to try and fix something that had fundamental issues with it. Um, to me, obviously, it's, it's the stupid passport application is the crux of the entire film. Um, I mean, in earlier drafts, as you said, Bill, like, Stockman goes to London to make a phone call. I mean, that's even worse, right? Yeah. But <laughs> but it's, it's such a ridiculous thing. Um, and as you say, I mean, like, as you said, David, it's like world leaders. I mean, if they were like trying to change their identity and they were wanted for murder for one man 30 years ago or whatever it was, it's like there's far worse people in the world right now that have no They've run entire countries. They have no red notice <laughs> against them either. Yeah. No, no. I don't get and, that and, point. And also, if you needed Stockman to go to London for story purposes, Jesse, he goes to London to gloat. You know, he's, you right. know, he just, you know, it's his ego. You know, you don't have to give him you know, a detailed reason like the passport application. It was just, he's there to gloat. He's there. He just wants to be there to see his plans come to fruition. It's right. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or just party or, or whatever. You yeah. Know? But as you said, David, there's too many ideas, right? Yeah. There's the merger of MI5 and MI6. There's the, there's the disbanding of the double O section, which are two separate things. Yeah. There's the privatization of the intelligence agencies. There's the whole double identity of the villain. But there is no other than, I mean, Bill, this is a common criticism. You've often made this film, and I agree with it, which is like, what's the ticking clock on this? They already have all the information anyway. Yeah. Like, there is no ticking clock. There is no threat that Bond's counting down to, to solve. It's Right. And I guess I keep going back to how this was originally supposed to be two movies yeah. and then it became one and they're basically trying to cram so much in and you know what, they probably just needed to thin it out some more to make it like one cohesive movie. And, you know, we know they save ideas for future movies. So say, say, save the ideas. You yeah, don't nothing's need wasted. Yeah. 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 Including the cybernetic eyeball. Yeah. yeah. Right. Oh, which is the dumbest thing. <laughs> God. 
It's like uh, that goes back to well, and probably goes back further than this. Goes back to the Six Million Dollar Man, that show from the seventies, yeah. <laughs> where he had the bionic eyeball. Right. Um, whatever. But I I do wonder if if the idea that if the concept from these move the scripts that that will die and not come back is the villainous organization ran by a woman because boy howdy were mgm against that idea like they wanted nothing to do with the villain being a woman i i i tell you i i've seen this idea executed once it's an obscure tv show called a man called sloan and it's and it was done as a parody of bond you know the, this episode certainly was so so you had a woman evil genius surrounded by chippendale-like guys you know similar to how drax right. was surrounded right. by all these beautiful women so right. it's clearly a takeoff on that so like i'm not saying you i'm not saying that's the way to go you know you you'd want to do a more serious take than that but it's certainly possible you know gardner showed it was possible i mean again as i said earlier he he made it blofeld's daughter but yeah it's, it's well, harder and, to do in the books though because you have to like avoid pronouns for three quarters of the book and by the time you're right. halfway through it and there's been no pronouns you're like okay something's going on here <laughs> well and and the world is not enough their own movie you know had a yeah. you know a lead female villain and it was a you know twist a surprise um so it can be done i i, I mean maybe we won't see it but if it were me, I wouldn't say, you know, never again. <laughs> to turn a phrase. To turn a phrase, yeah. <laughs> I, I, as soon as I said that, I like, oh, I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> David, was there anything in here that you were like, oh, they're gonna, definitely going to bring that back? Yeah. Um, oh, anything that they could definitely going to bring back. God, you shouldn't smoke. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, there are definitely some interesting concepts, and um, you know, the, the there's some distasteful things. Oh, well, no, no, I shouldn't yeah, say I, that. I, I don't, about, I don't, about the Spectre or, origin, but uh, you know, but, yeah. I, I think I, I don't want to see the bucket of eyeballs. Thanks. No, no, well, I don't no. think they're going to come back to the uh, organ waste. Although, how much of how much of this kind of like surviving through surgeries and stuff was kind of an influence on Safin that he got poisoned and he was ill. And then, uh, yeah. like, I don't know what, at one point did they recycle it for that? And then they watered it down in the film and it's not really, it didn't make it to no time to die the film, but I think there's probably bits of this. They tried to. Yeah. Well, it's like when at the point that they removed, uh, we have only, we have all the time in the world from the Spectre script. That is the moment that Purvison waited, right. We've got your next script. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. And again, that was, that script was like just before they started filming that yeah. they had the, we have all the time in the world. Fine. So yeah. yeah, it's, it's yeah. There you go. Uh, the, the one thing I'd say is reading the script again yesterday, it rattles quite quickly. Mm-hmm. The script does. Um, I mean, compared to reading like the script for Casino and stuff, this the Bond twenty four pre production scripts they go at a pretty good pace. There's only 130 pages. It's mm. two hours and ten, two hours and five minutes or whatever of screen time based on the page count, and um, it rips through. And I was reading when I finished reading, it, I was like, "Why does the movie feel so long mm. compared to the script?" 
Well, in part, I wonder if they like lingered on things they should have just sped well, through. I mean, the, like, the, the Spectre board meeting is like 15 minutes of your life you don't get back. Right? Good I mean, grief. Well, 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 or even something as simple as uh, the dead are alive. I mean, it lingers on. I mean, it, just cut it out. Just go, you know, just have the circle open up on the skull like it originally in the script. But no, Sam had to have his art house touch. Um, I mean, that's just a minute, but I mean, but yeah. when you go through the whole movie and you have moments like that, you know, it, it adds up after a while. Yeah. I mean, even at the funeral, right? In the script, it's very rapid. Bond goes yeah. up to her, has that conversation, the end back at her place. I mean, it, it, it's, it's a couple minutes. Mm-hmm. In the film, it's like 10 minutes of long, lingering shots of people looking behind themselves and cocking their necks and all the rest of it. Um, yeah. I blame Sam Mendes. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, Peter Hunt, bless his soul. If he had been around, let me at it. Let me at it. <laughs> 30, 30 minutes would have disappeared. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Peter Hunt or one of his disciples, you know, John Glenn, you know, is another yeah, name. But it's all, all the reason it's sky, skyfall onwards have been so bloated. They, they just, they need, they, they need, they need less. Um, they need less stuff in them in the first place, but th- they also need a, need tighter editing. I think. I think it was Donald Pleasance talking about his Blofeld um, outfit, mm-hmm. makeup, costume appearance, where he said something about a French tart or something, and it's like the advice is like you you, you think you're done, and then you take something off. Like once you mm. think you've got it right, remove something else. Yeah, and they would do well to listen to Donald Pleasant's advice. <laughs> well, and and I forget there was a famous writer name, unfortunately I can't remember. Said sometimes you have to kill your babies, meaning that you know when you when you're leaning it out, when you're getting to the final thing, you have to. You might love this bit, but you have to toss it out because look at the script for Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Okay. That was the longest Bond movie up to that time. But there's like this whole segment about Bond chasing um, Hillary Bray's assistant down and killing yeah. him. And then there's train thing crash. About, well, yeah, the train crash. I mean, that, that would have added 20 minutes. The underground post office railway. Yeah. All of that stuff. You know, it's like, you know, presumably Maybaum like slaved over that and, um, but, you know, it's like, how we got to get this movie down to, you know, and it was still long by traditional Bond standards. But, you know, like they tossed out a whole lot of stuff. And, and that happened, you know, some of the stuff they tossed out of Goldfinger, Thunderball. I mean, you know, just it's, yeah, they wanted to get it tighter. And they did for the most part. So I prefer some of these early scripts to the final film, except for the villain's conceit. Um, mm-hmm. And I think I blame the negative reviews of and feelings of Spectra uh, down to down to Mendes padding it when it's unnecessary. This could have mm-hmm. been a two-hour, ten-minute film. Mm-hmm. Easily. Yeah. Um, how do you guys feel about it as we wrap up? Yeah, it's uh, oh, I, the, well, it's what I said before. Yeah, there's too much padding in all the recent, uh, the recent three, most recent three films, and uh, if they if they strip that out. If they stripped that out, they would have been better films. Uh, but uh, they all—they all needed less in them in the first place. As Some much, t- 
sometimes they learn the wrong lessons, you know, after quantum, oh, we, we made this too tight. It's too, mm-hmm. you know, too frantic. So like, oh, so let's, let's, then they go too far the other Pendulums, way. The pendulum swings back too far the other way. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And that's, and that, you know, Skyfall's not as bad in that regard. I mean, it was, it was the longest film up to that time. But then I remember with Mendez, you know, when uh, Spectre was in final editing, oh no, it's not going to be the longest movie. Well, yeah, it was by a minute. Like, why did he say that? Why? You didn't have to say that. Mm-hmm. You can just say, we'll see, you know, and just. And we're not like, finished yet. Yeah. Which yeah. The truth. Yeah. yeah. Well, here's hoping that at some point in the future, when they hire a director, the director that they hire likes the script that they've got. Mm-hmm. Doesn't want to change it. Yeah. And, it, they, and I hope they aim for a two hour to two hour, 10 minute film, because that's the perfect length. Yeah. 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 And, and this script, these scripts were written for that length as well, which is interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks very much, gents. And maybe we'll come back and revisit another unmade Bond movie. Okay. Yeah, we'd love to do that. Sure. Thanks. Sounds Cheers. good. All right. Take care. Catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.